Hello everybody, so we had um, Max Jeffries on for this episode, what a legend, what a nice guy um, Yeah, so Max basically got in contact with me like, last year, um, asking me to review his like solo project Which is a, a project called Under King And yeah, it's I was so, so impressed when I heard it, I thought it was amazing that he'd done it all on his own And the actual like level of musicianship that was involved was like so impressive uh, There's a new record coming out End of April, so make sure you yeah check out Under King if you're into heavy stuff, kind of like you know Dragon Force, the Iron Maiden, like crossover. It's yeah pretty cool if you're into it, definitely. Uh, yeah, so yeah, keep an eye out for his new record. Support me in everything he does. What a legend, what a nice guy, and yeah, this is a yeah really good chat. We actually go off a bit on a tangent at the end about like music publications and like culture surrounding it, like the actual progression of like British music festivals compared to American ones. And yeah, I really enjoyed chatting to Max and keep a new, keep an eye out for the new under King record at the end of April. And, uh, yeah, take care. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. Uh, always appreciate the support. Hope everyone's all right and everything, you know, good weather's on the way. So yeah, better times are coming. Take care. It's nice to talk to a, uh, UK person for once. I find myself doing all these like interviews and whatnot and they're all American. So, <laughs> Oh, really? It's, yeah. It's nice to hear a fellow Brit. So, man, a new record coming out with the Underking Project. Yeah. Um, yeah. How was this this time around creating this within the lockdown and everything? And how how do you feel you progressed from record to record? And how does it, you know, show the progression in you and the band and the musical project itself? Well, I, th- I think I've gotten a, a lot... Uh, better at doing it i guess because mm. uh, the first two last year that you very kindly reviewed actually faultlined a review of uh, amongst the dead that was very very uh, high praise for it which i uh, thanks for that um it's just got a lot more refined i guess yeah. uh i started off this project in lockdown so i i don't actually know life outside lockdown um so I guess it's just got more effective. I know what I'm doing. I know what I want when I sit down now and write a song. I know kind of a bit more what works and what doesn't because um, I do everything on my own. There's certain things that I tried on those two records that I didn't try for this one. Uh, I, ju- I just knew when sitting down, that oh, this didn't sound too great. Maybe I shouldn't do that this time around or, or just tweaking those little things. It's got, yeah, that's what I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, man. So do you think you've become more of a disciplined writer with yourself? Yeah, for sure. I, I This is something I, I kind of speak about a lot is when you're a solo artist, it kind of gets difficult to quality, like quality control can be kind of a, an issue. I think I've kind of got better at that. I know when an idea is going to run its course and go somewhere I don't want it to uh, now more than I did this time last year. So that's kind of helped me narrow down what I actually want to do and put on a record instead of just keep meandering around for a bit. Yeah, okay, that's interesting, man. So have you almost had to kind of stop your natural flow at times and say like, hang on a minute, I know what happened last time. Let's try and like change the course, reroute this whole process. Yeah, there's a lot of like um, riff ideas that I'll sit down and go, uh, this sounds pretty similar to something I've done before. Or I don't know, last time I tried this, I kind of ended up hating it a bit. So I just kind of veer away from those ideas now almost, you know, within half an hour of coming up with them. It's like, no, I know how this ends. I won't go there again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay, man, cool. What? Yeah, so this time around, it was like, what did you achieve this time that you you didn't before, you know? 
and it was was it is it strange reflected on the on the past releases now this record is complete and you're you're holding it in your hands essentially yeah i'd say it's much more focused this time around um i kind of found what i wanted to write about so i'm a big like fantasy and sci-fi nerd as it were uh, i really like lord of the rings and star wars and all that kind of jazz um so i thought you know why not put my kind of passion into my music instead of cuz with the last two records it was kind of more vague and overarching topics and not necessarily 100% about fantasy and whatnot so this time around i've tried to make almost every song fantastical or sci-fi with with some kind of twist so the opener's about star wars and darth maul and stuff there's a song about uh the cowboy bebop anime there's a song about the witcher and whatnot so it kind of feels like a bit more cohesive than the other two yeah yeah for sure man that's actually pretty yeah i, I really like the idea of the lyrical like content man it was um so like inspiration was where did you draw aside from the actual concept themselves was it listening to kind of like prog and like you know operatic like rock music um, that kind of inspired you for the lyrical content the themes and how you could interpret that into your own music? Yeah, I, I listen to a lot of bands with a theme. Uh, so uh, one example is like Ghost, whereas their overarching themes aren't necessarily as specific. Uh, for example, like Infestissumam, their sophomore album, is kind of based around the rebirth of uh, like the Antichrist kind of thing. And so all the songs kind of follow that, but it's kind of loose. I wanted to have that kind of loose overarching theme, but still have it like a theme. So it's not a concept album of sorts, but it still has something that kind of ties each song together. Yeah, very nice, man. Okay, cool. So like, I'm, I'm right in thinking, you know, Under King is a one-man band, essentially. It is, it is you doing everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mate, yes. This, this, I think this is, yeah, because I remember listening last time and I was blown away. This was like a bedroom project. I thought it sounded so good for, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought it was amazing, man. Like, how was it, in terms of writing it this time alone, was it, do you find it strange not writing with a band, not recording with a band and having like you as the only kind of, uh, you know, guidance there rather than, do you, do you find it can be frustrating for times not to bounce ideas off people? Yeah, it kind of has its pros and cons. Like it, it comes back to the idea of quality control. Like I've had to get really good at saying no to myself or saying yes to ideas that I'm kind of like, oh, this could be good if I just let it happen. Yeah. Uh, but I do, I do miss uh, writing with a band because you, you do get that kind of like camaraderie and whatnot and like being able to bounce ideas and constantly, you don't have to constantly have the pressure of, oh, I've got to write everything for this. Like, I've got to sit down, start with a guitar riff, which is what I normally do anyway. And then I add some drums, add the bass, and then I've got to sit back and go, right, how am I going to put vocals over this? And how am I going to write lyrics to this? And what? And it's, it's, it starts to get a bit overwhelming, like if you sit down and actually think about it while I'm writing a song. Yeah. So it's kind of like getting over that. Is is it the kind of the first hurdle of being in a in a solo project? Yeah, how did you learn to overcome that then? Uh, it's I don't know. It's kind of an ongoing thing, I guess. Uh, I, I I try not to think about it uh, when I'm writing a song. I tend to try and get lost in the moment rather than think about the product at the end of it. 
so at the moment, I'm already writing stuff for, you know, like future releases. Because uh, for me, this this record's been done for months now. You've just got to go through all the red tape of, you know, promoting it and, and doing interviews and getting reviews done and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but so I've started writing new stuff and I'm writing a song at the moment about Attack on Titan. And I just sat down and didn't think about the end product. I thought, right, let's have fun. Let's do what I want to do. Don't think about whether it's going to be long, short necessarily, but just write a song you enjoy writing. And that that helps with the getting over <laughs> the stress of having to do it all on your own. Yeah. Do you think it's, do you think you've kind of learned to create as if you're the only person going to listen to it? There's the, the, the closer is definitely a song I wrote for other people. Like that's not to say I don't enjoy it. I think I, it's one of my favorite songs I've ever written. I, I wrote this big seven and a half minute track. Uh, and then I was like, Oh, you know what? This could really do with some collaboration because it's not something I do very often. So I got a vocalist from America called Dustin Parlia from Two Eyes Open, who's normally in a pop punk band, ironically. Um, no but he, yeah. he's, he does a bunch of screams over it. And then I got a sax, a saxophone player uh, called Charlotte Curry from down south. Um, and she does an amazing job on it. And then on top of that, I got like a choir of Underking fans to sing on it as well. Because I thought, you know what, if I was in a band... Um, well, if I was a fan, sorry, I'd love to contribute to someone else's music. Like that's that would be insane to me. So I just asked, you know, does anyone want to lend their voice to this track? And quite a lot of people did, and it ended up sounding quite epic. I think, mate, that's fucking sick. I'm really right that you did that. Yeah, it's pre- it's pretty cool. Uh, I think we got something some, somewhere close to like twenty submissions from like uh, a guy from Israel, some people from America. Uh, you know, all over England. It was pretty cool. It felt very, yeah, wholesome. <laughs> Mate, yeah, but does does it not blow your mind that like um, you creating in your bedroom has reached those people as well? Yeah, for sure. I mean, like I've got sick to the back teeth of looking at these walls over the past year. Like, like everyone <laughs> has really. Yeah. Um, but like being in this room and then like going, oh, this is, you know, my favorite album of the year so far, like like one review said, it's like how <laughs> how have I got from here to there? It, yeah, it does get a bit mad. What why do you think it has connected with people then? Why do you think there's been like success beyond it and people have really kind of backed the idea? Because I heard it and I was like so impressed, man. I thought it was a fucking really well written metal record, especially that it was done like as a solo project. Why do you think people connect with it and uh, like understand it really and find it enjoyable? What 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 it what do you think the Under King project offers people? I think it offers like myself in a way, like uh, the, most solo projects kind of do. But I feel like uh, my enjoyment of the sci-fi and fantasy stuff that I talk about comes through. In the music, uh, like whether it's talking about like Avatar: The Last Airbender or something like that, of uh, the single I released last year, or whether it's The Witcher and stuff off the current album, I think that people kind of see that I really enjoy what I'm singing about, and it tends to be like stuff that's kind of well on the new record. It's kind of upbeat. It's not really uh, depressing or anything. <laughs> yeah. So it's got that kind of energy to it maybe uh, i mean it's it's difficult for me to say why people enjoy it because i kind of 
once it's written, I go, right, what's next? Like, I tend not to think about the, the old stuff. <laughs> yeah, why do you think that is? Why do you think you kind of just want to move on so quickly? Like, I don't know. Yeah, some people do that and some people don't. Why do you think your mind is kind of naturally wired that way? I don't know. It's kind of like if I start thinking about it, then I, I like I tend to be like flaws in my old stuff. Um, so if I go back and listen to things repeatedly, repeatedly, like I tend to glaze over a bit and go, oh, God, I, I wish I'd done this differently or I wish I'd done this different. And it's just not helpful. Like it helps me to think, right, I did this and it kind of didn't work. So maybe I'll just change the way I do it going forward. And I think of it very much as like a process. Do you think that's been like a natural evolution of your process to just know when to not look back as well? Yeah, because it, it it can get a bit st- stressful, like looking back at things for too long. Uh, and I like to release music a lot. So it, it just helps that I, I think like that, I think, because I've been really inspired by like King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard in particular. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the gold standard of putting out music yeah it's, a, I, it's almost a joke what they do fan like fucking three albums a year or something yeah because I, I really enjoy as a fan like oh there's a new king is album oh there's another one oh there's another one coming next year that's great like it gives me so much music to listen to i'm like well why can't i just do that yeah i'm one one guy and then i think there's nine of them in king is um Mate, but yeah fucking nightmare I, arranging them lot i can imagine yeah, definitely. So what inspired the, the whole one-man band kind of like prospect for you? And, you know, why didn't, you know, how did it, how did Under King become like, you know, your project rather than a band itself? And like, why did you choose to go this alone and solo? Well, it was kind of like born out of my old uh, project at Rage Cave. So we split up um, in 2018, I think now. Um, and it was kind of, you know, it was mutual. We were like, oh, this has just run its course. So we'll we'll stop now kind of thing. Yeah. And I still had song ideas left over that I wanted to make. And so I started looking for a band and it just got like more increasingly difficult to find people to want to do it. Like a dr- drummers in particular are just a rare dying breed, apparently. Uh, I constantly looked for yeah. drummers for about a year and I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll just do it myself. I, I have control over this. Like I can just do what I want. I can make songs, whatever I want. And yeah, I, I can just do the things that I want to put on a record. And I think it's turned out pretty well overall. Uh, I don't know whether I'd go back and change it being a band instead of a solo project. Cause I think I've done some things I'm quite proud of. So yeah, man. Yeah. Cause especially like this past year, it's been so tough. It's been so, it took, for me, it was so nice to see somebody take it and use it for such like a positive outlet. Yeah. It's definitely been something to do when, <laughs> when there's been <laughs> nothing else to do. <laughs> no, there hasn't, mate. There hasn't literally. So yeah, why not make an album or two? Yeah, man. So like, what's your kind of musical journey then? When did you get into like playing and when did music really become a, you know, like a solid part of your life that you wanted to be involved with and pursue? Uh, I, I, music's kind of been there my whole life, really. I know that sounds like cliche, but my dad and my mom are both really into metal. So I, I got into metal through them. Uh, it kind of started with ACDC and Judas Priest and Ramstein and Iron Maiden and all that, which a lot of I've 
carried with me. Like, they're still some of my favourite bands, especially Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. And yeah. you can kind of tell that in quite a few songs that I, I make. Especially but, the solos, mate. That Maiden vibe is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. I, do, I do like the kind of twin harmony things on the guitars. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess I kind of really started getting into music about, like, 10. Uh, and it's going to sound kind of weird, but the band that got me into music, like, got me into music rather than just liking it, was Owl City, uh, Adam Young. Uh, so what when they're... Really? Yeah. Yeah, when, when their 2009 album came out, uh, Ocean Eyes, I was like, wow this is really cool that like one guy did all this, like pretty much one guy anyway. Yeah. And um, I was like, right, I'll play the guitar then. So I started playing the guitar and I did all the grades and whatnot. I went through the the hoops. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, when I was about 15, I was like, right, I'm pretty good at guitar. I can sing kind of, so why not like try and start a band? And then <laughs> it just kind of progressed from there. Yeah, so do you actually think, you know, you seeing Al City do that, like, on his own, do you think that actually tied into this? Yeah, I, I kind of, most of the, the bands I listen to are solo projects. It's kind of weird. I don't know, I think I just connect with them more. Really? Um, yeah, that is unusual, yeah. but it's actually really cool. Because my favourite band of all time is Ghost. Yeah. Uh, and and that's just Tobias Forge, um, as much as he... <laughs> like to say otherwise sometimes but uh, it, it is like he's he's the lead songwriter on nearly every song and what he can do uh, kind of as a as director as he likes to call himself yeah is is pretty amazing and there's a scottish band hell ripper where james just does everything in that and it sounds amazing yeah I, I, yeah yeah that's cool man so like what what do you think like entices you about like one person having so many hats on, like you know essentially like running this company that where they're self employed like what actually what what do you think impressed you so much and still does about that? I think it's kind of like um, when you have an idea, it's yeah. kind of like the unfiltered version of that idea because when you're in a band, you come to a practice or you come to the studio with a riff with a a vocal part with a bass part or whatnot and then it has to go through multiple people and it and it, it doesn't end up where it started and sometimes that's really good sometimes that's really bad but with a solo project it's kind of like the person who came up with the original idea has to deal with whether that's good or bad so the really good solo projects it's like wow they did all that on their own and the really bad ones, like, oh, well, you, you could have done with, you know, some extra advice you could have done with that filtering process. And it's really cool to see people who've just got that ability to not have to go through that. Do you have the intention to take this to a live setting at some point, or do you think you'll keep it as a pure studio solo project? I'm kind of looking at starting a live band at the moment, actually. Uh, I, again, with with everything, it's finding a drummer. Uh, yeah. So I've 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 got two guitarists. I've got a bass player. Uh, I'd, I'd be on vocals, and I need to find a drummer. So if there's any drummers that want to play for Under King Live, then definitely message or email me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out to anybody who wants to be in this band. You've got to be good. Yeah. Though. Fucking got to be good to replicate those parts. Trust me. 
<laughs> yeah, man, that's sick. So when you were growing up, so you were born and born and raised in Stoke, Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah. Were you, were you, how many shows, were you like going to shows? Was there a good scene there? Like, were you, were you involved with kind of live music growing up or was Stoke a little bit too out, out the way? Like, how did music affect, how did music affect you as like, you know, a subculture and identity rise rather than just, you know, enjoying it for listening purposes and playing? Mm, like, Stoke hasn't got the biggest scene in the world, but it's kind of homey. Uh, so like we have the, the two big venues, which is the Underground and the Sugar Mill. And they don't get like massive bands very often, but when they do, it's kind of like really packed and really sweaty and kind of amazing. Uh, so like we had like real big fish and Skindred at the Sugar Mill and stuff like that, which is crazy that those bands play there. And I didn't get to go, but Amon Amarth played there the other year, which was kind of really? madness. Really? Yeah, like in a in a club, basically. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of very tightly knit. Like the the local bands that play all know each other. They're all like supporting each other and it's really kind of wholesome. And yeah, I kind of went to a lot of those gigs. Uh, some bands that I used to go to a lot of gigs for were like Filth, uh, Vulgar, uh, Construct, who aren't together anymore, uh, Stone the Alchemist. Like these are all bands that influenced me but those are the bands that start you kind of thinking that you could do the same do you think you're a product of your environment in a, in a sense that like you being so impressed by our city then being like a really big metal fan and seeing the local scene which like wasn't a, a really big kind of popping scene but like it had a it had like a strong backbone do you think that all kind of that triangle kind of really has shaped you and has, has allowed under king to become what it is yeah i'd say it's allowed me to appreciate the small things i guess yeah. Uh, not to sound cliche or whatever, but it's if you turn up to a local gig or whatever and you see a hundred people there, like the amount of effort that's gone into that is kind of mad. It's inspiring, really, like because they've not really had any support, uh, label wise or funding wise or whatnot. They've just, on the merit of their own music, kind of put that crowd together. Like <laughs> it's it's not just a big promotion it's not just a big facade or whatever so it's really inspiring to see that kind of thing happening and i've kind of hope i can replicate that when i play live yeah you're hoping to do that this year I, i'm hoping so uh that's pending the whole world doesn't <laughs> explode you know, yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah trust me so like like production wise how heavily involved were you is it all self-mixed and masters and everything uh, so no, it's not it's not self mixed and mastered, but I record all the demos obviously at home, yeah. uh, and I kind of send them for reference. But Steve Waltel did the mix for this of Saw Audio, who's in, done an incredible job to be honest. Like I I did originally think oh maybe I could mix and master this like the project when I started, and I just found that I didn't have the knowledge like I just couldn't do it at all, and I tried to learn a bit and take it on. But I was like, if I really want to be taken seriously, I'm going to have to get someone else to do this. And uh, yeah, Steve's done a great job on this record and it, it sounds bigger than ever. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't be happy with it, really. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Do you think uh, there is, there would be a goal in the future to actually enter a studio as a band? Or would you like to kind of keep it the way it is? You kind of don't want to mess with something if it's not broken. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be definitely a cool experience. I'd love to record more things 
live, as it were, rather yeah. than uh, all tracking instrument one by one. It'd be really cool to get that kind of live feel, for sure. But do you think that would take the kind of one-man band guy in his bedroom away from it? It obviously would, but how, how, do, you, how do you think that would alter the project in its progression? It, yeah, I, I guess it would be for people to decide, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, as, as, as long as my vision comes through it, then I, I, I'm open to ideas. Like, I like having um, my vision realized. Like, that's why I like doing this so much. But if, you know, I can have that realized with other people, like if the other people, you know, were happy with recording my music, as it were, then that would be the ideal situation, really. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Kind of letting everybody kind of shake hands in the end, but it's like the ultimate goal is, you know, to to put your artistic vision on paper. Yeah. And you'd you'd have to find people that would be happy with that. Like, it's not for everyone, for sure. Yeah. So what was a real turning point for you aside from kind of our city? When did you really take like a metal direction and kind of clicked with like a heavier sound and wanted to really get involved with that yourself? What? Yeah. What kind of moment where you were like, yeah, I enjoyed this side of music way more than the rest of it? Yeah. I don't know. That's kind of like my influence from my mum and dad coming through because that also it was kind of like the first time that I'd searched for my own music and that kind of uh, progressed from there. Like, cause my parents weren't into like the heavier side of stuff. They were, they're kind of like they're clean singing and whatnot. So it's, I, I soon went down that like rabbit hole of like uh, scream vocals and threat, like thrash, black death metal, all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it kind of stuck with me that you could do this kind of stuff with music. And prog was also a big like thing for me. Uh, I love gent, so like periphery and you know animals as leaders, and I love the instrumental stuff. Yeah, uh, playing intervals again, solo guys. I guess I'm just bit big into that. Um, but yeah, the, the kind of technicality that you can get in metal music, I think, is just unmatched in terms of like modern popular music, anyway. Um, yeah, it really draws me in. Yeah, do you think the modern music industry rewards bland art like more than ever? You know, in the sense that, like, you know, people want gratification for such a short amount of time and kind of keep chasing this kind of short-term satisfaction. I definitely think that, like, the shift towards shorter songs isn't great for the industry, really. Uh, Like, I get why people like short songs i myself quite like you know 334 minute songs as well but you need to give artists the space to kind of do what they want rather than confining like this to a structure and i think streaming and record labels have kind of had their own say in this like they've kind of shaped it as well but yeah i I wouldn't say it's bland but i would say there's kind of a a formula to what gets uh, popular. And if you can crack that formula, like, hats off to you. That's really impressive. Uh, but it does it, it does harm the overall industry a bit because even, even bands with extremely short songs like are going to struggle to make a living these days, I think. Do you think people's consumption has dramatically changed as well, you know, obviously with streaming and everything? And do you think it's affected people's attention span in a way even of 
you know, people who on the heavier side of things on the prog world, you know, people's attention span just isn't what it is in the modern day as compared to, you know, previous years and decades. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do think that people's attention spans kind of got lower and it's not through that any fault of their own, really. It's just the way that it's, it's kind of developed like Spotify, you know, it's 30 seconds for a play or whatnot. And then, the more songs you can fit into a playlist or an album, then that's potentially like the more streaming revenue you're going to get and the more marketable it's going to be for big record labels. But yeah, it has changed the way that people experience music for sure. But I think there is a bit of a a pushback, you know, with like the increased vinyl sales and physical sales as a whole. And I kind of think that the metal industry has been vaguely, uh, untouched by it like you can still get like popular songs that are five or six minutes long uh and yeah that, it's 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 a really good aspect of metal culture's kind of insular uh culture that can get a bit toxic at times but this is one <laughs> element where it's actually really good yeah i agree there's many pros and cons to the to the metal industry not industry but, you know the whole lot of world yeah scene being so like sure. you know closed off you know definitely mm-hmm. you know what yeah what kind of negative effects do you feel like the metal world you know gives off and you know doesn't allow new bands and like for new experiences within the music and what what positive ones do you think have always shone through throughout the years and kept it such a healthy community worldwide well, like just that oh, the heavy metal spirit kind of thing uh, that uh, it's kind of cliche and cringe these days, but like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, you know, when they call like metal heads or the metal maniacs or whatever that Judas Priest call metal fans, I think that's continued to modern day. Like a lot of people, when you go to a festival or whatnot, a metal festival, I think is completely different to any other kind of festival. Like everyone feels like you could get along with them. It doesn't, it, it doesn't feel like, negative in any way but i feel that the drawback to that is the metal fans don't really like change very much yeah <laughs> so if you take brim in your eyes and for like a modern example like their sound change completely yeah didn't go down well with people uh, in the metal community but it, yeah i'd say overall it, it does more positive than negative yeah, same. I think Bring Me is a really good example. I do think Bring Me are, are a band. That I don't like them really. Um, actually, I actually stopped liking them when they went softer. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they've actually always been ahead of their time. I, I think they were actually a band to do things before people did as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, even with their modern stuff like uh, Ammo, and the EP they released last year. Yeah. Like, look at Architects. They've just had an album that's not a carbon copy, but really similar to the stuff Brimmy the Horizon's been putting out over the last few years. And look how successful that is. So, yeah. And that Architects record, like, fucking went to number one, which is off its head anyway. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I agree, man. That was actually just a recycled Bring Me record from like four or five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like, how do you put all this mindset into the Underking stuff then? Like, do you try and do stuff that you're not hearing elsewhere? Do you think you try and, you know, take like the metal kind of attitude, but push boundaries where you haven't heard it before? Or yeah, why do you think you take this? Or has this approach come naturally to you as well? Like, why do you think this music does offer new stuff for listeners as well? 
It's definitely developed like over the past year, for sure. Like I kind of started this as a more serious thing. Yeah. Like if you'd if you talk to me like, oh, you could do this like funny bit or you could put this reference in on the first albums, I'd be like, no, it's a bit cheap. It's a bit cringe or whatever. But now I feel I, I feel like metal's lacking a bit of fun and a bit of yeah. and fantasy and sci-fi lyrics that aren't cheesy. Like I do love me some cheesy lyrics, but you find the fantasy and sci-fi section of the metal store. And it's just like full of, you know, dragons and knights and stuff like that. And they all sound the same. Yeah. Like I do, I do love them. I love Dragon Force. I love Sabaton and whatever, but I'd love to take that into a more modern. Yeah, man. I think you're, I think you summarizing like the Underking project as a modern Dragon Force is actually a very good way of putting it, to be honest with you. It's like, do do you feel how are you kind of balancing that out then of like keeping it less cheesy but actually progressing it forward and it's um is it essentially like the music you've always wanted to hear by the sound of things? A bit, a bit, yeah. I've kind of wanted it to be more fun, less serious, but also not bordering on ridiculous because yeah. I kind of feel like a lot of people have a negative attitude towards bands like Ailstorm and Dragon Force and whatnot, which I think is kind of Offend, like kind of rude like the skill that goes into Dragon Force and Ailstorm songs is off the charts like they're amazing at what they do and they deserve every bit of fame they got it's not just a gimmick in my opinion anyway um, but I kind of want to avoid that image because I think it's been overdone to death at this point so I'd really hope that my music leaves this sense of fantasy that you get from Dragon Force but not also that you know Oh, they use the word dragon or flames seven times in this song. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, 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 man. I think you're definitely on track, mate. I think it's, uh, I think, but like you say, it's about opening doors that you know some fans of heavy music are like adamant to keep like bolted shut. You know, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I do think those bands, like, oh, I kind of get why people think they're a gimmick, but like, even though they're not, because they just don't connect. Like, Ailstorm aren't like my band, do you know what I mean? But like, if you like yeah, them, yeah. but that's fucking cool, do you know what I mean? Just like, do what you gotta do. For but, sure. Like, Dragon Force, they have some bangers, man. Like, some absolute tunes on there. Like, because definitely. I, it's, this is what it is, but it's like, I think a lot of people enjoy all these different little factors but some bands just take it to the extreme don't they definitely yeah and i think that goes for like all genres of metal like yeah. i think extreme metal can get a bit bogged down in who's the heaviest kind of thing <laughs> and that needs to be dialed back and then like the the power metal can kind of go too far into the cheese route and that they need to dial that back a bit like the best is somewhere sort of in the middle you want to take like influence and elements from all these kind of bands and hopefully make something new at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you, do you find it a challenge though sometimes to look in like all these directions and be like, oh, fucking hell, like there's so many, there's some similarities, but I can kind of picture all the differences. And how do you kind of like combine that with your mind to result in this? Is it is it sometimes quite a complex issue when it's just making a five minute track? Do you know what I mean? Is it, is it easy? It's almost like you're revising for this like heavy exam. Is it easy to kind of bog yourself down in it? yeah it's also sometimes really easy to get like rail completely off the tracks like 
uh, I'll write a song sometimes and it'll be completely in that new wave of British heavy metal style. And then I'll go, oh, you know what? It could really do with a breakdown here. And then I just have to sit and go, no, no, it can't. <laughs> like, <laughs> t- take it take it out. That can go in a different song. But like sometimes the fusing of styles can go a bit far and you need to know how to do it like uh, tastefully, which is something that I hope that, that comes across uh, in my music. I think it does, mate. But like, have you learned to do that? Like, because obviously that that isn't an easy thing to do. But like, how, how have you learned to do that as a as a musician, as a role to yourself? Yeah, I'd say it's a bit of trial and error. Like, yeah. there's, there's a lot of riffs that you come with and a lot of ideas that just, you, you think, oh, I could take this in a new direction by adding this and adding this. And it gets to the point where you've added too many things and it gets a bit ridiculous. So knowing, just dial it back and sit with it and ask other people's opinion, even if it's just like your partner or your family or whatnot. Like if they think it's ridiculous, then it has it has something. If they think it's ridiculous, it has something. You've just got to find that something in the pile of unnecessary stuff you've put around it. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, so you, you obviously take the bulk of your influence from like, an older generation of like heavy stuff. For sure, what, yeah, definitely. What I can work out, but like, do you think it's kind of funny sometimes how like people will look back to put it in a modern thing and it's like, it always kind of goes in this cycle and it's always like, some people kind of aren't aware, like, do you think some modern listeners aren't aware of the history of what they're listening to even though they're listening to someone that's heavily influenced by it? Yeah, I do, I do think that I don't know. I think as Europeans, we're very, we're very good at like recognizing the history of metal. We're very good at that over here. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah have, over here. Yeah, for sure. We do have the big metal festivals and whatnot, but I think Americans, they, uh, a lot of the time you see with like the, the festival lineups, uh, in a, in a way it's good because they're giving like more new bands a chance. Yeah. But I don't think, uh, they respect as much as we do. Like the kind of history of like where metal started or and whatnot, which you know best living in Birmingham. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Without sounding like a yeah, without like bigging up berms too much, yeah, for sure, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, because it's like, do you know, you know, yeah, I, I agree, man. If you just compare those festival lineups, it's um do you think Europeans can be stubborn in that way for metal? Definitely. Uh, I take download as a prime example. Like oh. I've been saying for for a couple of years that it just needs to give a few new bands a chance. Like otherwise it's going to get to a point in a couple of years where all these bands are not able to tour anymore. And then you're going to have to have, you know, two or three years in a row where all three headliners are just brand new and people are going to be a bit shocked by that. So it's better to just trickle it in one by one, one by year just to acclimatize people to it. Yeah, yeah, I agree, mate, because, like, you know, people around our age, like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to watch fucking Kiss play or Aerosmith. Do you know what I mean? Personally, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I want to yeah, see yeah. that's, like, kind of relevant and, like, now, not some fucking 70-year-old geezers. Do you know what I mean? Oh, for sure. Like, I, I, like, I think Bring Me The Horizon are well overdue, uh, a download headline slot. Like yeah, it's bands like that size, they need to start playing. Otherwise the festival is just going to get run into the ground 
yeah <laughs> yeah it'll just become this recycled like fucking boring thing and like you know i look but i look at some of the third and fourth stages and that they are trying i can see like you know there's a few mm. people at the booking agent or the or, you know booking some good stuff man but you know the the big main stage which is obviously what people would primarily go for it really does lack it does really really fall behind and i think in america they do a really good job of keeping it relevant they do yeah I, even even if they are still a bit behind at least they're like two decades in front of how behind <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so funny yeah it's true as well you look at you look at the american festivals and they're being headlined by like rob zombie and stained and stuff like that. So they're like still behind, but just a bit more updated. Oh my God. Imagine watching Stain play a fucking festival. What yeah. The- headline slot festival. It's not, not great. My, I'd go in my tent and get slaughtered instead. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. I think America have actually done always a good job. Like even with the, even with the whole warp tour thing that happened, um, that was always new, new, new stuff happening. It, it really kept young people, especially like, in tune with the motion and the progression of it. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I wish we kind of had something in the UK, but I guess it's just not big enough. Like that, you know, Warped Tour would go across something, you know, the size of half a year. <laughs> so unless they were going to do that and go through like customs nightmare, uh, I could see why it kind of didn't come to fruition. Yeah, they might have thought about it and just like five minutes in, they might have just been like, fuck this, just keep, keep it going over it. You know, yeah, it seemed to work really well in America. Uh, it's a shame it's over, really. I know, I agree. I thought Warped Tour was amazing. I'd love to have gone. Did you ever go to the UK ones when it was on? I didn't. I really wanted to go. I think there was a year where a band I was really into was playing. I was like, this is the year I'll go. But I just never got the Who chance was to go. Who was that band? I feel, Fearless Vampire Killers. Oh, yeah, I do remember them. Yeah. I do remember. Yeah, they were a bit, a bit campy, a bit goth rock, and what, what I was really into them for quite a while. They split up, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Did you go to the last shows? No, I, I could. I never got to see them in the end. I was meant the one time where I could have actually seen them was at Download. Uh, I think they were opening the second stage, mm. and I think I was still in high school at the time. Yeah. So I, I, I could only go on the Friday, and I ended up missing them. Like, I got there like an hour after they got off stage. <laughs> oh, fucking gutted, man. Yeah, well, yeah, 15-year-old me was definitely gutted. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back then, yeah, for sure. It's, um, does, doesn't the singer do some solo stuff? I swear. Uh, yeah, Kia Kemp, he does, uh, he's in Inklings, I think, these days, uh, is the band name. Yeah, Fearless, yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, because I kind of saw some of that pop up and I just recognised his name. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, man, that was like a whole yeah, that kind of like horror punk had a little bit of a comeback for a bit, didn't it? It did, yeah. There's this band called Ashes to Angels, was it as well? That like yeah, because I remember Kerrang magazine just like licked it as hard as they could as well. I just remember seeing it everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was everywhere. Like Fearless Vampire Kills were on the front of Kerrang and stuff, I believe, and like they were. If you think about the other bands that have appeared on Kerrang's front cover, it's they're nowhere near as big. Like they were definitely giving them an opportunity for sure. Oh mate, yeah, because like you know, next week, the week after, it might have been like Slipknot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you actually line that up in like the history of the releases, it's just yeah, it's really does peaks and troughs, I guess, for the uh, 
you know, the, the level of bands I had on the cover. But to be fair, Kerrang! at times really did support the up-and-coming artists, which actually kind of goes back to the Warped Tour thing. But I think, I think that's what they were actually kind of inspired by at the time, kind of, like, you know, the AP magazine that was happening in America. Yeah. Yeah, which was yeah. actually pretty sick. How, yeah, it how, still is. I think... I, go on, sorry. I, I still think that they uh, promote quite a few up-and-coming bands uh AP anyway I see quite a few articles where it's like these are the top 10 upcoming bands from this genre or whatever I always find like really good stuff on him yeah AP I think do actually a really good job man to be honest um, yeah I wish yeah it's a very strong I think it has a very strong following in the US as well which which obviously people buy it though which is sick because um, but this this kind of goes back to what we were saying man it's like the AP kind of culture linked in with the Warped Tour culture I think America will Always be ahead in a way, especially in like alternative music, where that new stuff is given much more of a chance. Definitely, yeah, I, I'd agree with that one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, but I guess you know, man, when people like self-made music, who are, do you think? Yeah, do you think open-mindedness is really what in the king kind of, uh, you know, portrays in a way as as like you know the, the future breed of like heavy music. Well, hopefully. I mean, like, I tend to just do whatever I want. So <laughs> you kind of have this mix of everything. And I kind of hope that's what more music does going forward. Like, I want to see a band, you know, who's never had screams in their song before, just add add them one time. Or a band that's always screamed, just add clean vocals for one song and then like, never do it again. It's just like you've got to be open to these ideas to actually, like, change the course of what you want to do if you never do them never try anything then yeah. you're not going to get anywhere yeah man why do you think you're not afraid to do this then and like is it something you noticed in like older people your peers where they were just boxed in their own head like why do you think you just have like no fear and don't think twice about just like putting a section somewhere that you wouldn't usually go to yeah why do you think you just have a fucking you know, going blindfolded almost in a way, like, why do you think you, you easily take that approach? I think it comes back to the solo project thing. I think it's just easier for me to reason with myself, like, why this should be in the song. Whereas if I was in a band, it might be like, oh, well, I don't really think that fits with the vibe we're going for or whatever, because it's my vibe, like, my vibes, whatever I wake up and decide to put in a song. So <laughs> it definitely makes it pretty easy to add just whatever I fancy. Yeah, man, that's fucking sick to him. I, um, yeah, I hope everybody who loves the new record, I think it's really cool. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. It's really nice chatting. Yeah, thank you so much.